Bodies Club is a monthly podcast that celebrates bodies because we believe that all bodies are cool bodies. This episode was recorded on the 24th of February 2019. Hello everyone. Hi. Hey. Hi gang. Hey Jim. Hey Mike. Hey Mike. Oh yes Jim. Yeah I'd like to ask you a question. Ask um, me. Ask away. I've been wondering where's your body at? Oh good question. I'd like to talk about... Something that gives me the fear, and I want to know if it gives either of you the fear as well, mm-hmm. and it's fingernails. Ooh. When my fingernails get a little bit too long, I just get a bit edgy, and I find it hard to do anything until I've had a second to just be like, no, everyone shut up. I want to cut my fingernails first. How long are we talking, though? Not that long, actually. In millimeters? Or maybe two or three off the end. I think there. that's just you. Oh, oh good. <laughs> Might be other people okay. too. Yeah. <laughs> just in this, but in this room, out of this survey I, section, I'm it's quite just neutral me. about nails. I, I, I like decorating mine. I used to be super anal about getting my nails done. I used to file them every day. I used to be super focused on making sure that they were manicured. Really? And yeah. Mm. I would paint them all the time. I, you it's know, fun. I bought tools. I would do leopard print nails. Oh shit, you're yeah. in that game. I was deep. But now I have a nail that I haven't even. What is that? I'm showing Sarah what it's it is. Beautiful. Is it? It's just like mm. I haven't. I cut it at some point and mm. now I you don't. You missed a bit, I think. Yeah. So now I'm making this about me. No, that's fine. That's fine. Because I, well, I was going to say actually, now here's the thing. I wonder if I've accidentally stumbled onto a gender thing. Mm. Maybe not gender, but a style thing, certainly. Because I've never looked after or done anything to my nails. Except paint them black once when I, well, more than once when I was in high school. What is that? Right, I need you to remove the fourth wall on something that I've never done before, which is getting one's nails done. What does oh, that mean? It's just really nice. I think it's a self care thing. And it's. But I mean, physically, what does doing one's nails mean? Oh, like, oh right. Yeah, what is that? Well, it depends on what you get. Oh, mm. there's options. Is it like the car wash? Yeah, there's options. Mm. Okay. And also for me, getting my nails done and getting a car wash quite similar. Oh. Tell uh, us. Explain. <laughs> yeah, why? <laughs> um, I guess it's like it's like a life admin thing that makes you feel good. I don't know why, but I really like to have a nice, clean car and for the insides of my car to be clean as well. So I often go and just get a wee vacuum. I actually, I, I know the feeling you're talking about. I have mm. the same feeling when I cut my hair. Yeah. Because so I just like, I keep mine like super short. And also, it's falling out. I really like having a nice, fun color that is like it, it represents me as a person. You know, it pops. Yeah, I got a nice highlighter pink. But what is it about having long nails that bugs oh, you? Up? I don't. I Maybe can't it's explain. irrational. Maybe it is irrational. I wonder. Oh, I just had a flashback to piano lessons when I was a kid. Yes, you can never have tapping fingernails. Mm. Do you know what's funny about that? Is I don't actually think even anyone should ever be taught never unless it was like about safety. Um, because exactly. like I wasn't at risk. Yeah. <laughs> No one's at risk if your nails are going to tap. And, like, maybe there's some opportunity in this world where nails tapping on a piano could actually be some freaking amazing as someone's creative outlet. You could know, be. You know, yeah, but if you're not allowed to explore that option, then <laughs> you never know. Kind but do you think that's the link? Maybe. Because yeah. I know if it gets longer than that, that's when I start to go, oh. Well, because that's, is it the feeling? You know how people, when they scrape maybe. their nails down a chalkboard, that grinds my gears. I'm just like, do you mind other people's nails being long? No, I couldn't care less about other people's nails. It's right. only um, effectiveness I get. Is it? I'm mm. not judging anyone's nails, just just heads up. It's just that when mine get to what I decide is too long, I just I, it creeps me out and I need to address it. Oh. So I've been anxious about my nails. That's oh, what okay. I've been up to. I feel like that's a problem you can solve pretty swiftly. Well, it is because I can mm. cut them. But I'd love to hear from any listeners who share my fear. Mm. I can't be the only one. No, mm. you won't be. You won't be. Sarah? Yeah. Where's your body at? Uh, my body is really good. What I wanted to talk about today, though, was uh, gut feelings. So okay. I think that it's been a really interesting journey for me, looking at how your body connects physically with your emotions. And so that sometimes you can have an emotional feeling about something, but you can actually like feel it in your body. And I feel like sometimes your body's more in tune with something that's right or wrong than how you might actually feel emotionally about it or cognitively know about it. Yeah, there's this that feeling in the pit of your stomach or something that you know that something's wrong and weird. Yeah. Or there's you're trying to decide between an option and you know one is right and you're trying to do the other one and you're just yeah. like, you should have been doing this other thing the whole time. 
But I think that we're maybe taught not to trust our gut feelings potentially a little bit because, or maybe I've had to come to learn to trust them more because they're always right, mm. isn't it? Would you say? I would say. Well, you definitely remember the times when your gut feeling was proved right, when you had yeah. a feeling and then you did the other thing. You always yeah. remember those times, I guess. Yeah. It's hard to remember. As, the times when, uh, your gut when your gut is like... just the same as what you decided. But it's weird when you can physically feel something. That's fascinating, actually, because um, you know how um, in art, all feelings of love and pain are thought of to be from your heart. Yeah. And they literally thought that that was the case way back in medical science before they knew that actually your brain was the big dog running the show. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you still feel it. You still feel things in your heart and you feel things in your gut as well. Because actually... Your well, heart you bangs really do. fast because you physically feel it. And your gut's got loads and loads of nerves down there. There's yeah, such a nerve part of your body. Do you guys have, or do you folks have a um, relationship with gut feelings? I've been taking mine a lot more seriously as you've been doing so yeah. the last year, actually, as you've been yeah. going, oh, I'm not, I'm going to listen to my gut. What about you? I do. I definitely do. I know the times <laughs> when I'm just hacking along at something and I, my gut is going, you dumbass, like, <laughs> you should have been doing this other thing. And then you go do it and everything falls into place and you're like, that was stupid. I think it happens for positive and negative things. How do you mean? Well, like putting it in reference to like, I have a gut feeling about this person or something, you know, mm. which is usually a negative one. Or maybe I'd have a gut feeling like that they're really good i had a gut feeling about my partner i actually met someone recently that i had really cool gut feelings about when i met them and i was like oh whoa i know i'm gonna hang out with you and that has been the case oh my god i had a gut feeling when i met you babe <gasps> no way yeah i did yeah i just yeah actually i felt that and it was just so was yeah. Like, yes. yeah we met at the art gallery and um i remember because my friend Ed introduced me to you and then we biked home and I said to Ed, I'm going to be friends with that girl. Yeah. So it's like, I think gut feelings pull you in positive directions. And yeah, I'm definitely trying to trust mine a lot more at the moment. And I feel like mine, mine are driving me actually forward. That's cool. Do you think you have to learn to listen to your, to what your gut's telling you? Yeah, I guess it depends. Sure, I mean, you can be around people that distract you from your gut feelings, you know? Mm. I wonder if your gut feeling, in, inver in inverted commas, is another way of being more present in thinking about something. Well, I mean, like, I've hmm. been doing lots of like looking into the uh, like how your body, you know, how your body stores lots of stuff. I think our body's really smart and it actually does tell you, you know, the things that you need to do and not do. You know, like when, like, for example, I'm too full right now, but, you know, I could have like listened to my, myself earlier a bit better and be like, oh yeah, I probably should just hit the salad. You know, it's like it's constantly driving you to make good choices. Just back to gut feelings. Yes. What do you think the distractions are that make us not follow those gut feelings? Oh, I think that's a big question. Maybe society the, or? Yeah, maybe like. Maybe. Society, man. I was, was going to sound really radical and be like, oh, you know, well, I guess we get lots of really negative messages all the time. Uh, and I think especially women about trusting themselves and trusting their realities and trusting what's going on for them and i think it's inherent in our society that we question our own selves i i don't know like do you work towards trusting your gut or do you just trust it like, oh i i mean i try do you not have any gut feelings about this mike oh <laughs> uh, i do no i do the way i look at it is it's like an almost extra level of thinking that i apply to something so i'll think about something logically and i'll make a decision and I'll probably then stand back and look at that decision and go, how do I feel about this decision? Though? Mm. Mm. See, I think this year I've been doing the opposite of that because I've always been a really logical person. I'm like, right, we need to, this happens and this happens and we need to do this. This year, I think I've been like putting my gut feeling first before the logic. Oh, okay. Whoa. Yeah. Which has been real interesting is that a, shift. Is that a Capricorn thing? Uh... No, I'd say the previous version was the Capricorn thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. Yeah, whoa. 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 Mm, gut feelings, eh? Cool. Where's your body at, Gemma? It's hairy. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, my, okay. in, in particular, my <laughs> lower leg is yeah, quite hairy. One leg. Just one. Oh, legs. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Lower leg. So my legs are hairy because I cannot be bothered shaving them. And it feels very visible because lots of people shave their legs. And it's still a thing where people, you know, are talking about, oh, yeah, why haven't you shaved your legs? You know, I get a little bit of stick about it from people I know. But like who? 
my family. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know. Yeah. Generally. Oh, just my fam. Yeah, just people who gave birth to me, you know. Um, Ugh, generally, they're pretty good. They're not body shaming. But it's so funny because this is natural. Mm-hmm. This is a natural thing. It's there here, is a it's purpose. It's there for a reason. It is there for a reason. It moves your skin around. It It performs a function. We yeah. Cut bit. Okay. I think it's insulation in winter and keeps you cool in summer. That's <laughs> what hair is, right? Tiny, tiny for years. I feel like it's weird that it could be insulation, but anyway. But it's weird that I feel like I am wrong, even though my legs are in a natural state. This and could it, be a gut feeling thing. Like what I'm saying is like, you know, I feel fine in my thing, but society's saying, nah. Yeah, it's weird. It is t- super weird. I do shave my armpits though, because otherwise I get stanky. stanky. Mm. And I like that. I actually that. do the same. Yeah. I get too stanky. <laughs> Whenever I've got the clippers out to do my head, I do yeah. most of my Bits. body. Yeah. <laughs> do you? Yeah. Ah, is it so you can be more aerodynamic when you're cycling? So I can run faster. No, it's absolutely not. <laughs> Do you not, no. Are you not really a hair fan? No, not really. I mean, that's fine. I wish I had a beard. We've we've t- discussed that oh, at yeah, length. Yeah, we've though. been there. Yeah, just, yeah. <clears throat> anyway. But yeah, I'll generally just do my chest. I don't. I don't. I don't have time for that. I don't want that. Does it get itchy? No, not really. It's not mm. that short. It's not like I shave it to the bone. But what is it? Why is it your preference? I don't know. I just mm. quite. I'm just like yeah. Okay, zoop. There we go. Yeah. Zerp. Is it uncomfortable? Can be. It's just it's just a bit sweaty. And that's an uncomfortable feeling. Yeah. What, yeah, so. what do you have to say about all this hair stuff then? You know, what are your thoughts? Do you have a stance? Uh, I don't care what people do with their hair, really. But it's mm. weird that I feel like I'm doing something that's unnatural or weird. When it, yeah. This is what human bodies just do. And yeah. that's a natural thing. And that I feel it's quite visible. I'm not doing it for any political reason. I'm not shaving my legs because I can't be bothered. <laughs> I literally cannot be bothered. It costs money. It hurts. I don't want to have to shave every day. You don't have to. I'm quite lucky I because <laughs> I have really, really thin hair on my legs. And so I could just go for months and it's fine. Mm. It, or, you know, uh, all things are fine, but you know, mm. it's just not a big deal in my life. Can I tell you what happened in my head when I noticed that you had hairy legs yes. yesterday? Because <laughs> yeah. we were raking about in the veggie garden. Did, it, did something happen in your head? It definitely mm. did. Yeah, you, we were raking about in the veggie garden looking for zucchinis, um, <laughs> and you were rocking your driving shorts. You were yeah. fuck. You were comfy yesterday. I was so comfy. Um, yeah, you were. And um, mm. I just yeah, I clocked definitely clocked it and went, oh yeah, Gemma's got hairy legs. And then <laughs> I, and inside and, and inside my head, I was just like. Oh, okay then. You know, I was just like, okay. But I definitely went. Well, yeah, it was you noticed. It's like you don't notice the hair on my arms. They're quite Mm. light, actually. Why don't women shave their arms if they shave their legs? Fucking hell, imagine that. The whole thing. Oh, I just spend my whole entire life shaving all of my body so that I cannot contribute all the massive, awesome brains that I have (laughs) into society. (laughs) Hold on a minute. I'll just shave myself all day long. That would be a way better usage of my time, wouldn't it, everybody? Wouldn't it, society? Upkeep. Upkeep. I just just, just wondered. But yeah, that's where my body's at. I just don't care about Malik here. Ew. Good. Good. I love how much you don't care about stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Well, but it's a good I place to be, you know, like, mm. um, it's a good stance. We are speaking to Siobhan today. Uh, she is a queer master's student at the University of Canterbury with an academic focus on manawahine and intersectional feminism. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Uh, she divides her time between her nine-year-old son's study, loved ones, and just generally supporting awesome cool arts and academic events around Christchurch. Sounds exciting. Cool. very excited to announce that we have our first sponsor. We would love to give a big shout out to (gasps) Mooma. Mooma. Yep, Perfect, that is mooma.co.nz. Uh, I have a question. Yes. What is Mooma? Well, let me tell you about Please it, Please do. Mooma is an online store that stocks quality products that aren't going to bust the planet or be bad for your cool body. Ooh. Ooh good. Um, our pick this month is the Bagu Recycled Reusable Bag. And the cool stuff about Bagu is, let me tell you, made. Mm, please. It is made from 40% recycled nylon sourced from pre-consumer waste. Check. Tick. They carry up to 25 kgs, are super strong, and fold down into their little tiny little squares. Check. And they are so damned cute. From solid colors to amazing images, you'll want to curate yourself a stunning set for your weekly shop. Check out all the cool designs on the website. Mike, I heard you're doing Dry July, but have you did heard? You? I did! 
about that, actually. But have you heard of Plastic Free July? Uh, no, please tell me more. Well, I can't really tell you anything about it, except that you should go Plastic Free for That's July. That's what it is. Okay, yeah. Yeah, cool. The clue's in the name. Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but you can keep some bagus on you at all times, and you'll never have to buy one of those supermarket bags again. <laughs> Problem solved. <laughs> Perfect. I know. So show some love to Mooma for showing some love to us. Go to mooma.co.nz. What is it, Mike? M-O-O-M-A dot co dot N-Z. M-O-O-M-A. Got it. Dot co dot N-Z. Mooma spelled M-O-O-M-A dot co dot N-Z. Thank you, Mooma. Thanks. Show them some love. Woo! Hi, how are you? I'm good. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'll just introduce myself. So I will provide my pipiha, which is a, a Maori way of introducing oneself and making connections with the other person or uh, making connection with uh, your tribal lands. And then I will just talk a little bit about what I do. Ko Topuri Tukur Manga, Ko Waikato Tukur Awa, Ko Tainui Tukur Waka, Ko Tainui Tukur Iwi, Ko Ngati Naho, Rawa, Ko Ngati Po, uh, Oku Hapu, Ko Moria Tukur Marae, um, Ko Siobhan Aho. So I have just said that I am from the Tainui region and um, that is where I Papa back to through my father. Yeah. Awesome, thank you Siobhan. So nice to have you here today. Thanks for having me. <laughs> the first question that I have today is what is a lie that you have been told about having a body? I think a huge lie that we have predominantly in our uh, culture in New Zealand and also I guess throughout a lot of different countries and cultures is that we have to be skinny. That is a, a massive lie because bodies are what they are and they have different metabolisms they're in different states they're in flux all the time you just have to look at any ancient artworks or any artworks from indigenous peoples around the world any texts that are available to say that bodies are very varied and they come in all different states you know 100 percent yeah have you had any thoughts about why this narrative exists I guess my views might be a little radical, but... That's right. (laughs) (laughs) Bring them on, babe. (laughs) Uh, I think as an intersectional feminist, I believe that especially women and femme people, uh, we are told that we must be a specific way to be alluring to the male gaze. We are told that we must pursue a specific type of body in order to be valued, Uh, I think that we are also given these instructions to have this type of body in order to distract us Mm. from being political about ourselves and being unapologetic and actually making significant movements within our society that would better the lives of so many different people. So while we Mm. are told that we should focus on our bodies and on perfecting our bodies to be this kind of unrealistic thing... You know, we are not being critical Mm. and we are not creating movements and we are not being political in ways that advance or, like, help others. Yeah. Yeah. I see what you're saying there. So it's along the lines of, I guess, if you're spending a lot of time and energy into managing your body and because the narrative around that is so strong, that distracts you from contributing in ways that actually could potentially change the narrative or um or even make you happy make you happy yeah yeah i mean people are told that they must go to the gym and they must have this diet and they must take these powders and all of these things Mm -hmm. and it's firstly like capitalism yeah (laughs) i mean the health and diet industry is a you know, multi-billion-dollar industry mm. simply because we of these narratives that we yeah. must obtain this body type, and this is the way mm. that you do it. Mm. Um, and that is a lot of time and effort put into that. Mm. I mean, if you really do love going to the gym and working out and having, mm. you know, there's, there's a difference between 
doing it for enjoyment and because you love what it does yeah and doing it to lose weight and doing it to get to a point of what you deem as acceptable for yourself Mm, i guess it's a fear-based reasoning yes or a a self-care reasoning and those two things can be quite different i guess definitely yeah don't get me wrong um you know i've had gym memberships and yeah like i enjoy walking my dog and getting up to the beach and like moving Mm. that's the thing it's like the joy of movement you know and the the joy of pushing yourself and challenging Mm. yourself but there is a difference between doing that for yourself and doing that for an image or for yeah others yeah it's it's interesting i think like image is interesting because you know i really value aesthetic and i love fashion and i I love makeup and i love playing around with my identity and all of that but i guess it's your approach to that is i guess it can be really detrimental and unhealthy and oppressive don't get me wrong yeah a girl loves some makeup (laughs) yeah and yeah there are totally days that i look at my body Mm. my fat body yeah and think girl like Mm. why are you like this Mm. and then I wipe that away from my mind and just think well you're doing all these other amazing things you have a lot of love in your life Mm. and that's way more important than getting upset about your actually wonderful body yeah exactly it's been quite profound learning experience I guess from for me learning about how much these narratives are like inbuilt into our systems and things like that how do you feel that these narratives affect you personally yeah i feel as though because my body is also brown uh there is certain ideologies around fat brown people maybe they were lazy um maybe that we almost don't care about ourselves or you know there's a lot of health statistics out there that are very negative about brown bodies brown fat bodies fat bodies in general brown bodies in general Mm. so i guess i feel as though sometimes when i'm in public people may like look at me in a a certain light but to be fair i don't really care Mm. (laughs) um but what i do is i actually talk about my experiences a lot with the people in my lives and Mm. i'm really open and honest about loving my fat body loving Mm. my brown body Mm. and um you know, I have friends who are a similar size as well. Mm. And, yeah, we just live our damn lives. And, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool. It's awesome that you've got lots of people in your life that you feel comfy to chat to about these things. and Even yeah. my friends who are of, you know, like smaller sizes and stuff, their experiences are just as valid as mine and we discuss bodies very openly and some of my friends do acknowledge that they do have like a thin privilege they can Mm. walk through spaces and be in spaces and just be accepted where in other places um, bodies like mine are not or they're objectified in a way Mm. Mm. Um, I have a friend who is the most incredible like weightlifter she has lost weight through doing like yeah. weightlifting and stuff, but she has had very varied experiences at gyms with yeah. people being intimidated by the amount that she can weightlift, people being inspired by a fat person being in a gym, people objectifying her because of that. Wow, it's quite exhausting, <laughs> you know. Just it like, oh. <laughs> it's like you can't win, yeah. you know. Yeah. Have you had any difficult experiences relating to your body that you'd like to share and um, how you managed working through that? So I think something obvious for women of like larger bodies mm. is clothing industries. So I listen, uh, there's a podcast called Friend of Marilyn, which is cool. run by Kat Pause. She lives in New Zealand. She's a great academic. And a lot of the stuff stuff that is on her podcast is fashion related and I mean she talks about a massive amount of different things relating to fat bodies mm-hmm. but um, a lot of the time she'll talk to women and they'll just say I'm sized out of that shop which pretty much means like you know some women cannot shop at places like Kmart or anything like that um, because they're sized out and 
I mean, when you can't clothe your body in a way that makes you feel empowered and makes you feel good, I think that that has really detrimental effects on well-being and mental health. And and even what that means. Yeah. Like, that, that the act of that and what that means, it's like, oh, okay, we're actually only going to have clothing items that fit this type of body. And it's like, you know, it's, what is, what is that saying to people? And to be honest, there are, you know, there are a lot of times I go into shops and like clothes will fit in specific areas. So like it'll fit around my hips and my waist, but my boobs, like (laughs) they get squashed. I'm like, I, I don't feel like my boobs are like too big. But when I put clothes on and my boobs are squashed, I'm like, ouch. Like, can we just have a little bit more, I don't know. Room to move. Yeah. Yeah, God. I feel like that could be a catchphrase for this freaking whole podcast. (laughs) We just have a little bit of room to move. Yes. Sounds like a great catchphrase. (laughs) Just like, quit with these narratives, everybody. (laughs) Need some room to move. That that sucks. It does. I'm, you know, I'm relatively lucky that I find great clothes and... Mm. I feel like I look good. So. Of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> do you have any great suggestions clothing-wise? Yeah, so boohoo.com. Okay, cool. And a girl loves Kmart. <laughs> um, although, should I be really advertising this, like, capitalist? No, like, um, <laughs> also, the warehouse has, like, really great options and yeah. stuff as well. I kind of... I'm over City Chic. I feel like they have yeah. like a specific style. If you yeah. like that style, then that's great. But yeah. they're also very expensive. But boohoo.com is really good. Put that on, you know. It's always <laughs> good to have a few references yeah. for people to look up after they listen. <laughs> and what is the coolest thing about being in your body? So a cool thing about my body is I have tattoos and I love tattoos and I have lots of space for tattoos. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which makes me really happy. Mm. (laughs) But also, I like being sexual and I like being, like, active. Like, I'm always busy. I know. I guess that's really cool stuff about my body, the way it moves. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, bodies are cool. (laughs) (laughs) And how do you think that we can be allies for each other in this world? Yeah, so I think that people should practice like intentional kindness Mm -hmm. so being very intentional about the way that they're interacting with people maybe trying to notice more nuanced things and just recognize that we're kind of moving past a binary way of life as well so people don't either have to be one thing or another they can be kind of in between and uh that is totally fine especially when we're talking about gender and sexuality talking about body sizes as well Mm. and also Yeah, I guess just recognising that everybody's experience in the world is varied and Mm. um, having respect for people's situations and perhaps just, yeah, being a bit more kind to each other. Yeah. How would you describe being more kind? Like, what what does that look like? Mm. So in Māori we have a term called manaki, which is you, you look after your people and I think that that is a great concept that I would like I personally try and do that as much Mm -hmm. as I can but that's also like a reciprocal thing as well so like Mm -hmm. within monarchy you take care of your people and your people take care of you Mm -hmm. I think as an action consent and I to be honest I'd really love it if people were more physically engaged with each other Mm -hmm. I think that we are so bound in our own bodies and we don't really touch each other which is strange because we're such physical emotional spiritual beings and Mm. you know with the consent of the other person i think hug somebody Mm, i love (laughs) like (laughs) i think um but definitely get that consent first because Mm. non-consensual uh touching is not okay Mm, of course (laughs) but hugs are cool Yes, (laughs) Uh, and you said before you referred to respect what does respect look like for you? I think that respect comes with an understanding of like a varied experience it means treating people in a way that you would kind of want to be treated, I mean Mm. children are taught that we tend to be quite good at actively doing kindness to 
Ward's children, I mean, mm. obviously, that's not always the case. But um, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe as adults we get a little less good at that, treating other adults with respect. But I could be wrong. Yeah, I mean, I guess for an example mm. is when, you know, when you're driving and you don't know what type of day another driver is having and if they don't indicate and then they turn or and, yeah. you know, you do feel that frustration. I mean, I yell at people all the time, but um, <laughs> we don't know. And that's the thing is, like, yeah. you know, we don't know what that person is going through or what they're experiencing. They may be mm. late. Somebody, it might be an emergency. Mm-hmm. They may be feeling really flat and just forgot. It's like right. a backstory. Yeah, mm. everybody has a backstory. Everybody has a reason why they do what they do. Yeah, mm. they sure do. I guess it's just about creating boundaries around what 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 you feel you can be around. Or, yes, yeah, that is very important. Yeah. Boundaries, yeah. boundaries are very important. Saying no, you're okay. <laughs> you're allowed to say no. If well, you're saying, saying no is kind sometimes. Yes, you know. Well, well I mean, a lot of the time, probably. If you're in a state of mind and somebody brings maybe some heavy stuff to you yeah. and and just communicate to them that you can't right now yeah. you can't maybe later but yeah 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 tricky one about boundaries is because we're never really taught you no. know no one like no one sits you down and says hey here's boundaries 101 especially you know? for people who or people who are um you know identify as women or yeah. or as like femme as childhood, mm-hmm. um, we are totally taught that we are meant to be putting other people first. hundred percent. And I also think it's not even just like, um, you know, your own internal boundary around that, but the expectation level is higher, you know, that Absolutely. of giving from, from, uh, well, I'm, I guess I'm femme, um, a woman, you know, uh, yeah, I've, but I've never really thought about it all that much but then yeah just thinking about it, I often feel that sort of pressure yes you know <clears throat> I yeah. I'm a mother my boundaries have been very porous because of being a mother <laughs> um, I'm also married to a man <laughs> yeah so you know we have had to have lots and lots of negotiations mm. about his expectations of mm. what you know a, a female partner is to do and yeah, yeah it's it's been a ride. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what are you most proud of as a person in this world? There are a few things that I'm proud of. Firstly, my child. Yeah. Um, he's actually a really incredibly patient and happy boy. He is very loving and very cuddly. I'm very proud of him. Um, I'm proud of myself for coming out as queer <laughs> yes. uh, because that was a huge struggle for decades. Uh, I'm proud of the academic work that I've done because it centres, you know, mana um, wahine and intersectional feminism and I get to talk about some really incredible, hard things in my mm. academic work, but I am really looking forward to like the future of what I can produce and who I can like get involved with and what communities I can sort of tap into and yeah. Could you talk to us a little bit about your studies? Yeah. Well, I'd love to learn a little more about what you're studying and what you're doing and and why. Yeah, so um, I'm just about to start my master's in cultural studies. My master's thesis is uh, utilizing young wahine poetry in order to discuss the lived realities of young Māori women. Wow. Because it's an area that's not really been touched on before. Mm. I mean, there's, of course, some literature around young Māori women, but unfortunately a lot of it is around teen pregnancy and mm. domestic violence. Mm. And I kind of don't want that to be the pool of work that's out there. So I take I'm going to be taking a lot of inspiration from older Manawahine academics and Kopapa Māori academics, philosophies from African diasporas, so people who have been taken away from Africa. Uh, they have some incredible philosophies and quite relevant to the Indigenous experience as well. 
and I'm probably going to be intersecting bodies into that somehow because um, as Māori women we have brown skin and quite often that can show up in our society in specific ways with Mm. specific ideals attached to that so yeah um, I'm really looking forward to the next it's a one year thesis Mm. because I'm going to be meeting some incredible wahine and I'm going to be having some incredible discussions and yeah I I hope that I get to do justice to the experience of our Māori woman. That's awesome. Wow, how exciting. Yeah. Are you just beginning that journey? I've sort of developed some like ideas around things over the past maybe like four months. Although mm. I read, I was going through my notes on my iPhone mm. and like in 2016 I wrote something about like oh, looking at the at young Māori women's experience in the world and I was yeah. like, wow, I was thinking about yeah. it back then. So it's kind of like a thing that's been building, I think. Yeah. And um, I read a poetry book by Tay Tibble, yeah. her poetry book, Pokahangatis, and it really solidified how poetry from a young Māori woman can actually give a really rich account of the experiences of living mm. um, as a young Indigenous person in this country. And she's pretty incredible. So Wow, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm interested to know, you know, in Māori culture, the relationship with your body, is there, a, like, I'm guessing there's a major difference than the narratives that are being established in the Western world. Is, is that correct? Yeah, so I guess something that I've come to realise, I guess, mm. is that a lot of our oral traditions... Mm. Um, women are of the earth Mm. women are related to life and death and so those are very bodily Mm. things you know we have Papa Tōnuku who is the you know the whenua Um, we have Hiniahu Oni who is the first um, woman who was made out of the clay of the earth and you know various other wahine female yeah. gods yeah that are involved in like life and death yeah. and it's it's a really incredible thing when you relate it to I, I guess we're talking about like cis women mm. um, being able to produce life mm. so in Māori we also have a term um, te whare tangata yeah. which is the uterus which means the house of people and um, it's it's very tapu and things like menstruation and mm. stuff like that are also very mm. tapu because it is literally mm. dealing with, mm. um, you know, death So, oh, yeah. and life. Our relationship with our body is also a relationship with our whenua, with our land, our relationship with our um, whānau and our hapu, mm. our, our, our families, with our communities. Mm. It definitely makes me think how far these kind of oppressive narratives that have been established over time around bodies how far how distant they are um, from caring for oneself or others I don't think human humans innately feel like a lack of caring for another person or their own bodies you know what I mean it's weird isn't it it's like when you start thinking about it more you run realize how much of a story it is like it's just like oh okay like it's just I don't know I still get gobsmacked learning about all this stuff well, over time, you know, we we were living in collective groups. Yeah. Um, humans were tribal mm. beings. And mm. in Aotearoa, mm. we had the urbanisation mm. of Māori people. Mm. So they went from living in, like, collective, you know, whānau and hapu groups mm. to living in individual houses to having very small amounts of people living in the houses Mm. and going to work for money and Mm. like that sort of process takes you away from other people and while you're in spaces with other people it's it's a different type of space you know like the work environment you're all there in a professional capacity you're not there just to like hang out so the focus isn't actually on each other. The focus right. is on the work. And, um, you know, when you go to class at university or 
or you go anywhere, go to the gym, go to the beach, you know, you're not there connecting with the other bodies there. You are there with an intention. It reminds me a little bit of what you were saying earlier in this chat about um, how there's, you know, when we're focused on the flaw or the wrongness of the body, it distracts us from actually being present with people around us or anything. It's like it's the the same, essentially the same thing you're talking about. Yeah. 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 We we choose to distract ourselves Mm. um, and... Yeah, I, I guess I feel like we don't really connect with each other yeah. as much as we mm. kind of could. Yeah, totally. Know? Imagine, I, I, in a lot of conversations I have with people in my life, because I do love to spend mm. very close time mm. and quality time with people, yeah. um, is the potential that comes out of being vulnerable mm. in those spaces yeah. and being honest and open mm. with each other and... Yeah. Um, being loving with each other there is a huge amount of potential and the potential I'm talking about is like creating ideas building self-love it is moving your thoughts and your mood and everything into a space Mm -hmm. that where you can create Mm -hmm. specific things for yourself well it's I mean I remember Sonia and A. Taylor saying something along the lines of oppression thrives in isolation. Mm. And so, you know, when you deeply connect with another person and you're seen and like you you have supported and you're loved, it seems to me that's like when you can move away from these these things that we've been, you know, talking about. Yeah. Potentially. It's just a well, bit of a theory, I guess, but I don't <laughs> know how you feel about that. Yeah. But, um, I said um, that I was proud of myself for coming mm, out as queer. Yeah. And what that has done is uh, now I'm more open. Yeah. Um, I have felt that I have created some really incredible connections with people. I mean, I have um, a lover that I have been seeing for about seven months who we just have this really incredible connection. And so many of my, like, great ideas have come out of deep discussion with Mm -hmm. them. And, like, yeah. Yeah. Feeling supported by others is so important. Very important. Mm. Mm. But also, like, recognizing how to support others because that is really tricky, actually. Like, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of people in our society who are not taught how to support. They're not taught how to love. Mm. And I think that, you know, especially as a mother, I'm trying to teach my son how to love and support Mm. other people in a way that... um, he can also take care of himself as well, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Which is so important. Yeah. It's like foundation of <laughs> society and community. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's all the questions that I have. Oh, I meant to ask you a funny question, but I've just... Um, I don't have one. <laughs> <laughs> That's totally fine. <laughs> I was like trying to think of something. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that was probably funny enough, really. Yeah. <laughs> We have to ask you a funny question, but I don't have one. <laughs> Into, Into the, the bin. bin. All right. Hi, gang. Hello. Hi. Hi. Hello. Hi. Hello. 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 Hi, Siobhan. Hi, Siobhan. Hello. Hello. How's it going? <laughs> Great. I feel like we've said too many hi's. Hi. We need to edit some of those hi, out. Hi, everyone. Hi. Oh, oh hi. Oh, hi, Mike. How's it going? Bonjour. <laughs> what have you brought to put in the bin today? Yeah, so um, the, there's a, a word that I have chosen that I feel is no longer needed, <laughs> pretty much. Um, and that's the word normal. Yay! Yeah, I'd like to know. I like that one. Yeah, Big round of applause. Yeah. Yeah, we were hoping uh, someone would bring I might keep going for a while because it's a really good word. <laughs> because I think that uh, normal has a a set of ideals attached to it that, you know, oppressive towards pretty much everybody. Um, they're built upon patriarchal, capitalist, like, sexist, racist, ableist, all those ists um, views. So um, we don't need no more anymore. Mm. One thing Into that... Into the bin. Into the bin, okay. Agreed. One thing that grinds my gears that I always mention to my partner is when I ask what kind of tea they want, they say, can I have normal tea? And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I know that's, that's <laughs> you know, not a fact. Yeah, it's true. But it, 
uh, is something that I notice people saying, and I'm just like, stop, because of all those reasons. Who decided what normal was? Well, uh, and also, like, okay, I mean, if we think about it, literally every single cup of tea that's ever made is going to be different from another cup of tea. Like, no no cup of tea is exactly the same. If you ask for a normal tea in a dim sum restaurant, what are you going to get? It's not going to be brown English tea. (laughs) Is it? With a big slug of milk in it. (laughs) No. Which is because normal is... Well, normal is a broken word, isn't it? Because Mm -hmm. normal's only... You know, to use a terrible cliche, it's like beauty in the eye of the beholder. You know, it's just yes. it's just what you whatever you think normal is. Yes, that's what it is. Yes. Or whatever you've been taught or normal whatever, is. Yes, of course. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, we have been, I guess, molded into thinking what normal and normalcy looks like, but it's all a farce, mm. and it's pretty boring. <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like snooze. Uh, okay, I wrote something down before. It's normal is just another word for consensus. Mm. It's a general consensus. It's not actually the norm. And I also looked up the dictionary def- definition, and it's not what is right. It is all like what is. Um, it's just right, what wrong. is universally accepted, or what is in a majority accepted. You know, yeah. And accepted mm-hmm. is a weird word as well, but. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Another one is natural. Like I'm, I'm not a fan of natural, natural. Uh, especially coming from an indigenous studies background. Mm. There's a lot of um, assumptions placed upon natural. <laughs> so when we think of natural, we think of like nature, and we think of like animals and like flora and stuff like that. Natural embodies another set of ideals about, well, in I guess in a lot of philosophy and indigenous academic work it is placing especially indigenous peoples in a subhuman because mm-hmm. um like there's a binary between nature and like civilized and so i guess that's what natural brings up for me but that also for me is like normal so like we have normal versus non-normal um normal versus other like yeah because yeah. if something's not normal it's abnormal yeah so there's that binary um that yeah. when you start using it, yeah, there's sort no... of excludes others straight away. Yeah, yeah. But, but yeah, oh, I was going to say, go. like normal though, like it's it's super weird because it it's actually not real. Yeah. Like, it just literally does not exist. Yeah, no, um, it's, no, it doesn't. <laughs> Slavery it doesn't exist. used to be normal, you know. It's yeah. like it's a, <laughs> these things are doesn't exist. I don't get normal. You know, that's why we're gonna throw it away. Yeah, with natural. Um, I just want to get an understanding of that because yeah. did you say you wanted to throw the word natural in the bin? Um, or maybe not in the bin, but just be conscious of the way that we use it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because um, like as in, I have a natural look. I guess I was just thinking about like the way that it's used in anthropology that's been used in colonization and yeah. stuff like that. So like indigenous peoples being more natural, being more part of the land, and um, I mean. We do have this incredible relationship with the mm. land, but it doesn't mean that our ideas and our bodies are subhuman. It doesn't mean that because we're not westernized or um, you know don't have these westernized concepts that we're not like civilized or anything like that. So we were talking about how humans were living in collective groups, mm. and especially like Maori people living in. Um, you know, hapu and whanau groups and how the urbanisation of Māori people sort of um, fractured that Mm. because everyone then started living in individual housing. So, I mean, could you imagine if we were to, I guess, reverse that process and start living in collective groups again, would that be seen as non-normal? And mm. then you have these sets of ideas that's placed upon that, like it's a cult or something like that. When something is existing (laughs) outside of what the majority of people think is the way things are done have been told mm. have been told things Coerced are done into believing then that's, yeah, that's, that's kind of what I mean so yeah, yeah. like and you're talking about there yeah living in a different way not in the two up two down house with the two yeah. generations max <laughs> yeah well same, you know you have um, two parents and two and a half children mm. or you the have, nuclear family yeah, yeah which is very clinical and sterilised it gives me the creeps that word I mean I'm yeah. not, I'm not <laughs> like super into it eh? like a nuclear family makes me feel Let's like throw that one away too yeah slightly nervous yeah. Mm-hmm. so I, I think about the word normal a lot mm-hmm. which is annoying I was just thinking what is a way that you can like not use that word yeah. You know, say if you're, you know, talking about yourself mm. as 
anyone in here this room being like within the normative you know <laughs> blah 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 can you somehow pull that word out of the sentence because I don't even want to have it in the sentence because when I have it in the sentence I'm still kind of like in in that system do you mm-hmm. know what I mean mm-hmm. you're just sort of perpetuating yeah, the like ideas of what normal is normal. so it's like how do you just kind of like remove yourself from not using the word normal um <laughs> I think as a general culture um our language is shifting yeah and as people become more exposed through things like social media and Mm. stuff like that we're finding new ways to describe things Mm. and understanding that normal is a very restricted view of Mm. things so I think maybe just recognizing each person recognizing that the way that they use language does oppress others Mm. I don't know another word Mm. because then you'd just be perpetuating the same thing Mm. or what I keep thinking about when we're talking about all of this stuff is how like fucked it is because there is so much entitlement around claiming that you as a culture know what fucking normal is yeah yeah like that's the continuing of colonialism as well yeah so our schooling system Mm. there are changes occurring slowly in terms of using things like te reo maori and stuff like that and understanding indigenous thought Mm. in this country Mm. Um, can't really say much for others I don't know Um, but yeah like there's always been that power dynamic between westernized uh, ideologies and then the other yeah the key issue here is that the word normal is power trip it is yeah and it holds power and it perpetuates power and yeah. it makes people live to standards that are imposed on them. It's like judging a fish on how well it can climb a tree. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, some fish can climb trees, actually. <laughs> so well. But, you know, it's kind of... What's positive about the word you've brought is that it's not difficult to practice not using it. I don't think it's... Mm. I think it's something that actually you can actively go and try to not yeah. do. Yeah. So, I think that's like with many things that we are learning about in this mm. day and age, we have... Uh, I guess in the gender spectrum, people who mm. identify as like non-binary genders who want to be called they, them or mm. a variation of that. And it's actually really easy to mm. change that language mm. because just, um, it's just about being intentional and conscious of those things and respecting other mm. people. And sometimes you get it wrong. I know using the they, them pronoun, I actively try to do it. Sometimes I've slipped and have used a gendered term. But if that happens... Take responsibility for Yeah, take for responsibility that. for yeah. it. Absolutely. Mm. Um, and work on it. It's not yeah. impossible. It's like it's so impossible. It's so mm. achievable. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I started doing it at work. I noticed the other day I was talking to my boss and I was doing all gender neutral pronouns. And I was yeah. like, oh, I'm yeah. talking, um, talking in you know gender neutral pronouns like all the way through but I was like oh I wonder if I'm in an environment where they know what I'm you know what I'm communicating yeah. and so I just explained it to them yeah. <laughs> I was like yeah. I'm just letting you know that I'm using this pronoun because I've been trying to do that more in my life yeah. and that's the thing that I'm going to do do you understand <laughs> yeah they were like that's that's good that's yeah. cool someone, yeah. someone gendered my bass guitar the other day and I was like no <laughs> <laughs> what gender did they give it I think it was hey yeah. And I'm like, uh-uh. It's gender neutral. <laughs> it is not of any specific gender, thank you very much. Um, I'm mm. going to be a real bore and suggest that we put this Wrap in the bin it up, and yeah. move on. So, uh, okay, so yeah. we all agree, normal, in the bin. In the bin. Smash it in the bin. Yeah, squish it and squash it and <laughs> put it in a bin. Smash it up. Making a little Goodbye. Bye. 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 <laughs> Cool stuff. Cool stuff. Cool stuff. You bought some cool stuff along to share with us. What was the cool thing? I, I've been reading a lot of academic stuff because I'm going into my master's. Um, but something I do want to share with everybody is Dr. Elizabeth Kedekede's PhD thesis, which does sound boring to other people, <laughs> but it is about the experiences of takatapui Māori people. And takatapui is a term that is used for the queer community in in the Māori community. And it's really incredible. It's really eye-opening. discusses a lot of really interesting experiences of being um, takatapui and being Māori and those intersections. Is it about current culture or is it historical? 
Both. So she did some qualitative, you know, interviews with people now, dives into the, I guess, etymology of it and the oral traditions Mm. surrounding it, discusses pre-European sexuality. It's quite difficult because obviously through the process of colonisation we've lost a lot of knowledge. There are oral traditions of same-sex lovers. In terms of gender, we do have some kind of gender-neutral pronouns, one being ia, which is ia, and that is a gender-neutral term to address somebody. I know that there was a different type of view on sexuality. There are accounts of kind of first contact between European and Māori people. So marriage is a very westernised Christian concept, Mm. but there were, I guess, alliances made specifically for the Ariki lines, so like the chiefly lines. You would make economic marriages. So some said that they were not allowed to kind of engage in sexual activity uh, outside of that sort of relationship because they were so tapu. But for a larger part of the society it kind of was open, which is really interesting. Mm. Okay, I've been listening to a lot of Stephen Fry and his mythos books about the Greek gods and everything. Mm. It's actually got quite an interesting parallel with ancient Greece regarding sexuality. So many same-sex relationships, Mm. like, all over Mm. the place. It was just what happened. It was just... Yeah. Everyone getting with everyone. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, in a lot of our oral traditions, it is based around sex and it's based around um, bodies mm. and how those connect. I mean, I think the idea of what we have as gender and sexuality is probably is definitely not the same as what pre-European Māori would have had Mm. Um, because we have this set of ideals on what sex and sexuality looks like so we're kind of indoctrinated into thinking of it that way but pre-European Māori would have had their own ideas and their own ways of doing things and unfortunately we can't really tap into that unless Mm. we had a time machine (laughs) but um, and even then we would be skewed by our own knowledge so Mm. yeah. Is it easy to be in a same-sex relationship if you're uh, if you're from a Māori background you know? Yeah from different people that I've spoken to, it has not been an issue. It's kind of always been something that's been around, you know, aunties on the marae who are together. It's different, you know, not so stigmatised. You know, everybody's whānau. In my own personal experience, I have a, a cousin who is in a same-sex relationship and it's, you know, just, I almost said normal. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, they are happy and everybody's happy and yeah. I have a really stupid question. Most of them are. How does one go about reading a PhD? Like, where do you find them? Is it in the library or what? Oh, yeah. Literally, just Google Elizabeth Kerekere PhD and it will come up. The website Mm. is takatapui.nz and that is spelt T-A-K-A-T-A-P-U-I dot N-Z. If you go there, um, you'll learn about Elizabeth Kirikiri and Rainbow Youth and lots of different things. And you can download her PhD, Part of the Fano, The Emergence of Takatapui Identity, Hefariki Takatapui. PhD thesis, 2017. Awesome. Very cool. And then you can tell people that you've read a PhD thesis. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for bringing us your cool stuff. And for Ben and Normal. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Cool Buddies Club. Thank you. Again, <laughs> if you love what we do and want to hear more of it, please head over to coolbodies.club slash, slash donate, which is a great website. Thank you for joining in on this. Is, slash. Is, is it because I made that? Or yeah, it was because you made it. It's actually good. Sarah made the website and it is, it is pretty good. It's, it's an okay good. website. It's pretty good. Michael. <laughs> Michael. Why don't you tell us everything that you love about the website, Mark? That it's got a donate button. It's got a donate button. <laughs> Great stuff. You can hit that donate button Wee. and give us whatever you can it'd afford. Be, ideally, it'd be cute if the button like made a little noise when you donated, like ching, ching. yeah, mm, that'd be good. That'd or be good. whoa, or like, I love you. <laughs> I could say that. <laughs> That'd be creepy when technology starts saying I love you. Hey Siri, um, I love you. That's sweet, but it's not meant to be. Oh, oh. I hurt my feelings. <laughs> 
Fuck you, Siri. Um, if you can't give us cash, you can be an ally by subscribing, leaving a review, or telling your friends so even more people can join, join the, the club. club. Sarah did not want to join in on that one. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can find us on Instagram at Cool Bodies Club, on Twitter at Cool Bodies Club, or by emailing hi, hi at coolbodies.club. And you can look out for our episodes on the last Monday of the month. Hmm. Bye. 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 Oh, can we do like a bye, bye, bye? Yeah, I'll do the bass. Yeah. Bye. 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 Perfect. <laughs> Ha <laughs> ha